This episode of TFR is brought to you by Pacific Western Bank. Pacific Western is the leading provider of venture debt and banking services to startups, growth stage companies, and their investors. And this episode of TFR is brought to you by Brex. Designed specifically for venture-backed startups, Brex is the perfect corporate card for fast-growing companies. Head to brex.com and sign up with the promo TFR to get waived card fees for life. Welcome to the podcast about investing in startups, where existing investors can learn how to get the best deal possible. And those that have never before invested in startups can learn the keys to success from the venture experts. Your host is Nick Moran, and this is The Full Ratchet. Welcome back to the program for another great interview. Today, I welcome Anand Sanwal of CB Insights to weigh in on how a data platform on private companies can help startup investors to source and evaluate deals. In part one, we cover the traditional challenges for large strategic acquirers in assessing private companies, how Anand's company, CB Insights, fits into the greater startup ecosystem, who the primary customers are for these data platforms and how they use the information, where CB Insights acquires its source data, and also Anand's thoughts on if the platform is a tool for sourcing, evaluation, or both. Here is part one of the interview on the Bloomberg for Private Companies. Today, Anand Sanwal joins us from New York City. He's founder and CEO of the Bloomberg for Private Companies, CB Insights. And in addition to their fantastic data platform, Anand also sends out one of the best newsletters in the industry with current events, commentary, research reports, and he finishes each one up with a very paternal, I love you. (laughs) Anand, welcome to the program. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Can you start us off by uh, walking through your background and how you got involved in startups? Yeah, sure thing. So kind of a a long-winded route to getting there. I... uh, Worked at Cosmo.com, sort of infamous dot-com blow-up in 99 and 2000. Kind of was a refugee of the dot-com crisis and actually went to American Express. From there, wanted to get some stability on my resume. I'd had a few jobs, I guess, before that in a pretty short time frame. Went to American Express, worked in their venture and M&A group. Stayed there much longer than I expected. They treated me well left uh, you know running their 50 million dollar innovation fund or uh, after running that and setting it up and then kind of saw the data products that we had to use when I was running that group and thought to myself sort of the information about private companies which are these major drivers of sort of economic growth and innovation is pretty terrible you know the data is bad the UI and UX of these providers is terrible and the customer support given what we pay is also miserable and always wanted to do my own thing and thought, you know, hey, here's a pain point uh, and have the desire to be an entrepreneur. Let's uh, let's give it a shot. And so left Amex. I had a couple guys from my old team join me and we started building CB Insights to be like you kind of characterize the Bloomberg for private companies. So at Amex, were you charged with setting the, the investment strategy and then picking the sectors that you guys were going to make investments in? Yeah. So, I mean, when I started there, I was low man on the totem pole, so I wasn't setting much of any strategy. I was kind of, (laughs) I was executing. And then, you know, over time kind of did enough good work that the company wanted to 
you know, at big companies, there's this challenge of innovating in the things that could potentially kill you, right? The, the, the sort of corporate antibodies to that type of stuff are quite strong. And Amex is actually, you know, pretty progressive as far as this goes in terms sure. of big companies. So they set up this internal kind of innovation fund to hopefully get those ideas out that could be sort of, you know, I hate to use the term disruptive to the organization and then fund them. So that's what I was ultimately running was kind of, you know, identifying these opportunities and then funding them. And so, yeah, that was kind of in my last role. And so there it was really kind of getting ideas from around the organization. You know, you have a company that is that big with a lot of smart people who know their businesses very well. They were coming to us with ideas or businesses that they'd seen that looked interesting. And so, you know, a little bit of it was having kind of the relationships to get those ideas. And then second was being able to apply a filter to those and and making sure that we were pursuing things that kind of truly disruptive to the business. And I hate to use that term because it's so overplayed. You know, it's hard for big companies to do. And so that's what the innovation fund was set up to do is try to fund those things, those initiatives that often sort of uh, the sort of the antibodies to these types of things in the organization kill. And we were trying to fund those. So surfacing them was a big part of our challenge, right? One of them was coming up with their own ideas. Second was surfacing them from people in the business units that know their businesses well and their industries well. And then ultimately kind of culling all those ideas and figuring out which were the best ones in terms of potential opportunity, as well as which ones weren't just incremental sort of enhancements. That didn't really fit the the credo of what we were trying to do with this fund. Gotcha. I come from corporate M&A, and I'm, I'm curious – we had our own strategy about how hands-on to be with the, the companies that we were making investments in. Would you guys just passively invest out of the fund in various private companies that you're, you're following? Or would you sort of partner with them, give them some channel access or, or do... Yeah, it was, yeah, it's a good question. It was definitely more kind of hands-on, right? So I think we, were, we weren't a financial investor, right? Or a purely financial investor, right? right. We were looking for things that were definitely had a tie strategically to the core business. And then the hope was that we could offer them distribution or access or become a client. So I think that was always, that was always kind of the uh, opportunity and the hope. Obviously, you know, when you work at a really large organization and people are, it's, it's sometimes hard to get that level of attention, but you know, that was always the intention was that we would, uh, we would be able to help these companies. Nice. Great. So the background helps a lot, but transitioning more into CB Insights and, and what's going yeah. on these days, can you start us off by giving us an overview of CB Insights and how it fits into the startup ecosystem? Yeah, sure thing. So, you know, I think this has evolved quite a bit. So, uh, so I'll give you a kind of, when we started, we sort of had this, and it was sort of an errant idea, this um, idea that, hey, we'll make this data available and we'll make it really inexpensive and all these people who never had access to amazing data would pay for it and kind of very quickly realized that that's not just not an interesting market, right? <laughs> um, you know, startups are not a great customer base, kind of high churn, not a lot of money, lots of support requirements. So, and what we saw was corporations and VCs were kind of a big target market who were a lot better as a customer. And, you know, we had a big consulting company come to us pretty early. And I think our price was like $2,500 a year. It was like throwaway cheap. And the consulting company came to us and said, hey, listen, 
we need you guys to charge a lot more because we want to be first in line when, when we need help. And so that was kind of like eye-opening for us. But in terms of what we do, we collect data on private companies. So any type of financing or exit involving a private company, we are vacuuming that in using machine learning as well as now increasingly data submitted to us directly from the investment community. And then what we've done is we've built kind of an intelligence layer on top of that data. So, you know, it's not just a spreadsheet, right? It's really kind of how do you ask intelligent questions of that information and that data? So how do you figure out which companies you should invest in, who you should be syndicating deals with, who might potential acquirers of a company be, you know, which companies are struggling that you might want to poach talent from, you know, which industries are growing the quickest and from a corporate strategy perspective, where should I be focused? So it's kind of taking all that data and then offering the sort of insight and analytical layer on top of it, is, which is what we've become. And so now our customers are, are exclusively institutional. VCs is obviously sort of the obvious one. I'd say our biggest area of growth is on the corporate side. So, you know, corporate strategy, corporate innovation, CIOs, offices, obviously corporate M&A, corporate VC, but we, you know, we have corporations who have now nine or 10 subscriptions, separate subscriptions, CB Insights. So that's really where the opportunity for us is. In terms of how we, you know, when with the startup ecosystem, we put out a lot of great content. You mentioned the newsletter. So I think we sort of don't make money off of startups, but we hope that by the research that we put out, we're hopefully informing people and helping them figure out which investors to talk to or what's happening, you know, in the climate. So, you know, you can be informed. And uh, that's, I think, the way we kind of work with the startups. But it's not, they're not a customer of ours. So how long have you been around? Because I know when I was at Danaher, this sort of information would have been super helpful. Um, yeah. But we weren't yeah. even aware of you. Yeah. I mean, so we launched in Feb 2010. And we... To be very frank, like our very product engineering driven company. So for the first two and a half, three years, we kind of just had people say, hey, I signed up for your free trial. How do we give you money? It was, you know, we were very product focused and honestly just didn't know what we were doing on the on the sales side. And then, you know, we got enough of those inbound that we said, hey, maybe it'd be good if we actually like reached out to people. And so kind of two and a half, three years ago, we started building out a sales organization to actually do that. But yeah, we launched Feb 2010. So I guess we're coming up on, uh, on our sixth year. Gotcha. And we talked a little bit about your customer sets and also the data on the platform. Um, yeah. Can we start with your primary customers? You know, why do they use the platform and what value are they getting from it? Yeah. So I think the reality is that big companies and institutions make really big decisions off of using like sort of what we kind of informally call the three G's, right? So they use gut instinct, Google searches or guys with MBAs, right? <laughs> and and so like, you know, in big decisions about who should we acquire, what industry should we go after, what are our competitors up to, right? Like these are pretty big things that you want to understand. And so we're trying to give you insight into that with data. So our primary customer now is really the the corporate kind of community from a revenue perspective. I'd say from a number of customers perspective, it's still probably the investment community. But in terms of sort of contribution to revenue, it's really the corporate side of things. And so they're using us to help get forward looking intelligence into sort of where the world is going, you know, where their competitors might be going, what the next hot industry is, what the next hot company might be, so that they can make better product, M&A, VC, etc. decisions. 
Uh, and then, you know, we have, it's sort of this horizontal platform. So we have lots of other use cases. I mean, we have economic development and organizations and lawyers and accountants using us. But I'd say if I were to focus on the core, it's really become the the corporate base. Got it. And the business model is SaaS. It's a yeah. license fee per head. Is that is that right? Uh, per it's month? licensed per team. So, so, you know, if you're the corporate M&A team, up to 10 users. So it's, you know, if you're corporate M&A with nine people, you can have a subscription. But if you're corporate strategy in a business unit and you have five users, you're going to buy a separate subscription. So, but we don't do seat-based. We think seat-based is, we've done it in the past and we feel like what, what ends up happening is people just end up sharing seats and it sort of, I think, hurts adoption. Uh, and so we've sort of gotten away from that seat-based model in our case. And is it just one product platform or is there a premium version as well as a, a uh, standard version with different pricing structures around both? Yeah, there's, it's one platform, but it's very modular. And so if you want kind of just the plain vanilla data and the ability to filter it, you're going to pay at the low end of the spectrum. And then if you want analytics and predictive intel, you're going to move up. And then, uh, and then if you want analytics, predictive intel, and analysts on our team to help you answer questions and do private webinars with your executives and for us to do events with you and get you in front of VCs and startups, like then you're going to pay a much higher, almost like membership fee. So it does, it, there's quite a big range there depending on, you know, needs and, and budget. Gotcha. Got some flexibility. Um, yeah. So the other thing I wanted to touch on was, was the data side. So how and from where do you obtain the source data? Sure. Yeah. So I think our fundamental kind of insight in the beginning was that in 1995, you had to call people to get the data, right? You send them an <laughs> Excel spreadsheet and you harass them to send you the deals they did. And then, you know, now in 2016 or when we started building this in, you know, 2010, 11, there was a ton of information on the web, right? There's all this sort of data exhaust out there. And so the lion's share of our data, it's probably 70% is machine learning driven. So we've built software that will crawl, classify, and extract structured data from unstructured documents. So this is everything from visiting Kleiner Perkins portfolio page every day to hitting every local, national, regional newspaper, biz journal, tech blog, regional business publication, Twitter, you name it. And so we've built really good software that will crawl a few million sources daily and extract out information. And so the benefit of that is from a model perspective, it's much more cost efficient. And then we find a ton more deals. And then the other piece, the other 30% is direct submission. And this has actually been increasing quite a bit. It wasn't like this in the beginning. I think as our name and as our newsletter have gotten more prominent and our research has become more prominent, people want to get their data to us because they want to be yeah. featured in that stuff. And then the other thing is we now have a few hundred M&A teams that use us. So if you're an investor, you want your companies updated and on CB Insights because the buyers or potential customers, the CIOs or the potential strategic partners at any of these corporations are using us to do scouting and, and deal sourcing. So, so I think that's ended up being and is going to increasingly, I think, become a big part of how we gather data. So we closed a syndicate deal on AngelList for an augmented reality company. Um, we raised 370K. Is that something yeah. I should submit to you guys and say, hey, include this? Or would you, would you pick that up? 
I think we probably would pick it up, but we do have, you know, investors or companies submitting data to us. So it's sort of like we'll use a lot of confirmatory signals to to make sure the data is good. And so if somebody submits data to us and we obviously had it already, that's a great sort of confirmation. So yeah, I hope we I hope the technology's probably already picked it up and if uh, if it has, you know, if you submit it, it's, it's a great way to ensure that everything we've picked up is is correct. I'm going to put you to the test. I'm going to check it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to, I was actually going to log on right now. What's the name of the company? It's Scope AR, but I think docs, I think docs are not totally finalized. I think they need one Got more it. thing okay. on the okay. pro rata. So in the next couple okay. of days. Okay, cool. This episode of TFR is brought to you by Brex. Your startup is going to change the world and the right corporate card will get you there even faster. The Brex Corporate Card for Startups offers 10 to 20 times higher limits than traditional corporate cards, automated expense tools, and huge rewards like four times points back on travel, three times back on restaurants, and two times back on recurring SaaS spend, and all with no personal guarantee. Sign up at brex.com and get waived card fees for life with the code TFR. And this episode of TFR is brought to you by Assure. For over three years, Newstack has been raising capital on a deal-by-deal basis, allowing individual investors to select each startup investment. Assure is the company behind the scenes that powers this process. When we have 10, 20, or 30 angels investing in a startup, we can't put all those folks directly on the startup's cap table. So those investors are rolled into a special purpose vehicle that occupies just one line item on the cap table. And Assure handles all ongoing fees, finances, and K-1s for us. We pay a one-time upfront fee, and avoid all the required yearly admin filings and bills. If you run an angel group, or you would like your LPs to invest in deal-by-deal sidecars, go to assure.co slash TFR for 20% off your first SPV. And this episode of TFR is brought to you by Pacific Western Bank. Pacific Western specializes in providing financial services to startups, growth stage companies, and their investors, helping to navigate financial obstacles by providing access to funds and expertise. Pacific Western's customized products and team of venture banking specialists provides a banking experience designed specifically with startups and VCs in mind. If you run a tech company or if you invest in tech companies, it's strongly advisable that you build a relationship with the folks at Pacific Western. Go to packwest.com to learn more. So the the technique, is it a variety of APIs and scraping? Yeah, I mean, it's... um... It, we don't rely a lot on any APIs just because we've found that being reliant on any sort of third party, like the rules change. You know, we don't use any of the, any publicly available sort of data sources that are out there. We just find that they're super messy and the data quality is not good. So yeah, it's mostly us, the engineering team has built crawlers that will go out and parse. We have a white list of sources. So it'll go and parse those sources on a daily basis. Look for changes on Kleiner's portfolio page, new logos, let's say every day. And, and you know, think of doing that across all uh, hundreds or thousands now of private equity and venture firms. Yep. Um, so that's the primary method on the technology side. We kind of call it the cruncher, but it's, uh, yeah, it's ingesting lots of data. And then, you know, what we've started adding to that is other types of life events at companies. So partnership data, you know, we built a classifier for that customer data. So if there's a press release announcing a customer signing, we're starting to extract that information too. So if you think of an organization as an, an organism of sorts, financing and exit is, are just two life events. And so now we're looking to add a bunch of other kind of life events, again, using a lot of the same base technology. So 
Anand, do you think that CB Insights is used more so for deal flow or evaluation? Uh, in other words, do you think it's more of a sourcing tool or an analysis tool? Yeah, I guess the, the the real answer is it depends, right? So if you're a growth equity firm trying to understand kind of who's coming down the pipeline, we are definitely a deal flow tool. If you are a corporate strategy team, it's much more of an insights and analysis tool trying to use this data. You might not care necessarily about the individual companies, but you want to know collectively, oh, these companies indicate that there's a lot of interest in you know, blockchain or in this type of digital health technology. So I think a lot of the use case has evolved into being sort of more insight driven and so getting kind of evaluation of markets or competitors or things like that. But it does vary, you know, given sort of the eclecticness of our customer base, I'd say there's no universal use case. It is, it, it varies kind of based on, based on who you are. Got it. So as a VC, I could use it for, for both? to source deals, to find yeah, I mean, find new deals at a Series A or Series B, as, as well exactly. as help evaluate those by seeing maybe user yes. growth scores and things of that nature? Yeah. So, yeah, you could use it to source and identify companies. And then, you know, our, and I, I know we're, I think we're going to get into it, like the NSF funding um, that we yeah. received was to help narrow a list of companies down, right? So I think being able to quickly evaluate thousands of companies and get it down to those that are maybe growing the fastest. And then I think the VCs also use this just to understand markets, right? So can I look at the heat map of Sequoia Capital and see, hey, they're doing a lot more deals in a particular sector. You know, those guys are smart money. Maybe I should, you know, maybe that's something I want to be looking at as well, right? So I think yep. like getting those sort of higher level thesis insights or is also a big part of, I think, what a lot of, uh, of venture firms use this for. And then those market insights on the corporate side are definitely the core value that they see. Yeah. And on that point, before we jump into the NSF, uh, you know, I often hear people talk about how they invest in marketplaces or education or drones or healthcare yeah. or IoT or SaaS or machine learning, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. But they mention these things all in the same breath. You know, some classify them as sectors while others talk about horizontal themes. Um, clearly, something like SaaS is more of a business model than it is a sector. At yep. CB Insights, how do you think about these categories and also structure the data so that you're not mixing apples and oranges? That'll wrap up part one of the interview. If you enjoyed this segment, please share your thoughts on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn. And if you don't use social media, it would be great if you'd tell a friend about the program. And look out for part two of the interview that will be released here this week. Until next time, over-prepare, choose carefully, and invest confidently. See you next time.